This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome back to the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Rick Shields. I'm back with co-host Guy. How are you, pal? Very good. How are you? I'm good. I feel like we've got too much to talk about and not enough time. Got loads of time. Look at it. You go away for a week and the golf world explodes. I was on holiday. I was in New York. Had a great time, but I was absolutely glued to my phone on Twitter. Hashtag live golf, hashtag PGA Tour, looking at the rumours and it was mental. Well, we're going to come on to that without question. We're going to have a proper chat about live golf. Um, the positives, the negatives, feedback. Um, you, sneakily, undercover, actually went I went to put a little moustache well. on. <laughs> <laughs> I went... <laughs> <laughs> and sunglasses, yeah. Um, but first off, did you have a nice holiday? I did, thank you. I went to New York, as you know, and did all the tourist stuff. Ate like an absolute pig, but weirdly didn't put a pound on. No way. Because of the walking, oh, seriously. Loads of steps every Unbelievably. day. Unbelievably. I did 30,000 one day, and every day was like 20K. What? Yeah, it was mad. So I was getting up, having huge breakfasts. Is that right? Breakfasts? Yeah. Breakfasts. If you had, if you had multiple breakfasts. I kind of did, because we had omelette. <laughs> potatoes toast oh there you go and i'd get like a massive pack of m&ms just eat them i didn't even want them just eat them because i'm on holiday why not big lunches burgers all that kind of stuff and um what's annoying is the dr pepper i'm a big dr pepper fan it's loads more sugar than ours like triple the sugar so i was drinking that like there's no tomorrow (laughs) over the top but i've not put a single pound on yet it might hit me in like two weeks time and i'll wobble in but so far so good but it was it was great we'll talk about walking i'm going to express something i'm doing this week which yes. might just even though you, you're doing thirty thousand steps a day <laughs> i might just hit you i think you will but we'll come on to that what was the best thing you did in new york um oh that's a good question a boat trip around manhattan island was nice was seeing good? all the city um went to the top of the rockefeller center looking oh, yeah, over the cool. city that was good watched harry potter on broadway nice that was good um it was three and a half hours long though I did get uh, a little bit bored yeah it was long but it was good um, loads Central Park. Night, Central Park. Any running? No. no. It's just pure walking. Just walking. Um, <laughs> and they also have different flavours of Monster that you can't get over here. So I was just reminiscing. Shocking. Going to the 7-Eleven all the time, buying cans of Monster. You can get the red one. You can't get the red one anymore, but you can get the orange one, which oh, is my old favourite. Interesting, interesting. Um, but it was good. But as I said, I was absolutely glued to my phone, I'll be honest. Because we did this little thing where we'd go out for the day, 
come back to the hotel and have like an hour's like little sleep rest and then go out for like the kind of evening. And that hour slash half an hour slash two hours, maybe sometimes three hours of, of um, relaxing was actually scrolling and it was looking at live golf on Twitter. Well, these, I just want to get a clean take on this. This is my thoughts on live golf. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, first off, I genuinely believe the golf world has never seen so much publicity outside of the world of golf this mm. week. Like It's been on BBC News, Sky Sports News constantly. Massive articles written about it. Like I said, it's all over Twitter, all over Instagram. You literally wouldn't have needed to be living under a rock if you've not seen this week that Live Golf had its first ever invitational event at Centurion Club just outside London <clears throat> this week. Um, first of its kind, 54 holes, shotgun start, 48 players who were then made up into a, from a draft party into 12 teams, including the Fireballs, <laughs> the Crushers, the Majestics, which weirdly was my favourite team actually. Yeah, it Majestics. was good English. Um, numbers of differences we have never seen in the world of golf ever. Huge prize funds, record-breaking checks being mm. written this week. No cut. Every player in the field made lots of money. New signings were announced even while the event was going on. Yeah. Like literally live breaking news. Yeah. So it started off this week. We saw Dustin Johnson's being the headline player, followed by Phil Mickelson. Yes. And then there was a selection of, of a lot of very well-known players. Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Sam Horsfield, Charles Swartzel, Brandon Grace. The list goes on. Louis Oosthuizen. Major winners. Former world number ones. Yeah. Ryder Cup legends have all taken a gamble to play in this event because they didn't know the ramifications of playing in this event until they literally teed it up on that <laughs> Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon it was here in the UK. And the flyover of the planes yep. and the and the, the beef eaters were doing the, doing the <laughs> trumpets on the first tee. And then when they put their ball in the ground and teed off, it got announced from the PGA Tour that they would all be suspended. Yes. Wow. Lots 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 to take on i yeah i tried to think on the driving today how best to <clears throat> almost like articulate my thoughts on it and i'm really struggling and i don't want to kind of sit on the fence but i think to some degree my overriding kind of point is probably going to be quite on the fence because there was parts of it that i really enjoyed and um <clears throat> there was parts of it that i didn't enjoy and that i almost hate so it was it was really weird. And like you said at the start, I actually went on Friday. So I was still off work last week, obviously, as you know. And on Thursday night, I was thinking, should I go and watch it? And I thought, no, it's three hours there. It's three hours back. I'm not that bothered. And then I thought, well, it's not going to be in England again for... Till next year, yeah, maybe. till next year at best, potentially. It's the first one. And although everybody can rightly so have an opinion on this because of where the money's coming from and um, well, lots of different reasons you can't really have an opinion on the actual event itself unless you've been really, because what you can see on social media can sometimes be not quite true. So mm -hmm. for example, the things that Liv were putting on made it like it was like a rock concert, the best thing since sliced bread. And some people on Twitter were making it like it was absolutely dead and it was just absolutely a ghost town. And in reality, it was somewhere kind of in the middle. Um, <clears throat> but it was, 
from from a fan's point of view, if you went to that event and you didn't know where the money was coming from, let's just put that. I know it's a massive, huge issue. But just for one cover, minute, let's just that. put that to one side. If you walked in, it was very good. It was very well organized. You got like you went in, you showed your ticket, you got kind of scanned and searched. You felt kind of very safe. You went into kind of the tented village area, and it was nowhere near as big as like the open would be, obviously. But it was very good. There was loads of places you could buy food from, drinks from. The toilets were really clean, which might again sound silly, but it's things that you want on site at a golf event. The good from a spectator, you could see a lot. You could see, yeah. I went to go and watch um, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, and Sam Horsfield. Now, obviously, that was the marquee group, so it was quite busy. It was about six people deep. It was, it was felt that felt more like actually an open. Maybe not like obviously going watching Tiger or somebody, but it felt like watching you know, a middle of the road to high level name at the open, that kind of level of busyness, if that makes sense. It, it, it'd probably be like seeing that group at the open. Yeah, it probably would be, to be fair, because although th- these guys here are huge names, at the open, you might also have Rory on the next tee, Justin Thomas, so it kind of that business would have got more spread, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, but yeah, you could see the golf really well. You could certainly watch some other people in almost like one-to-one because the guys that aren't as big a name obviously had less of a following. You could get even closer to those guys. As I said, the Tented Village was great. They were selling merch, which <laughs> looked good quality, but I'm not sure many people would want to be wearing a Stingers cap just well, yet. people were buying it. People were buying it, yeah. I actually saw, believe it or not, with my own eyes, a number of people, a considerable number of people buying stuff, walking around with the caps on, uh, the Live Golf caps, the, the franchise team caps, genuinely people buying it. Because that's something I didn't pick up on from the YouTube feed. Yeah. Like, I didn't, from from visual, I didn't watch every single minute, but I, I didn't see anybody with an actual team hat on. Yeah, and don't, don't be wrong, it wasn't people were fighting over it in the last few, it wasn't rammed, but there were there was notable people buying them. And um, the demographic was really quite interesting as well. It was kind of fairly young in the most part, but equally, it wasn't just young kids. Um, there was older people. But the big thing to remember here is, I think 90% of people have got free tickets. Yes. And, you know, if, if they'd have kept that original price of 70 quid, I think it would have been, it would have been a ghost town. Well, we covered the price of the tickets quite a few weeks ago. This was yeah, before was all the names would had even been announced at all. Not a single name had been announced and it was way too expensive. And obviously they had a big U-turn, U-turn on that because they mustn't have sold any tickets. Yeah, A lot of the players were giving free tickets out. And I must admit, I didn't know how many people were going to turn up until I turned on YouTube with 15 minutes to go before the... the a shotgun start and I looked around I was like wow yeah. it's busy I, I didn't get a gate number was it it, was, it would have been in the thousands was it about 15,000 a not, day yeah I'm not fully sure I know Sunday was at capacity sorry Saturday I keep wanting to call it Sunday Saturday was at capacity it felt busy on the yeah. day I was up to the Friday I don't know the exact number um, but from that point of view you couldn't really fault it and certainly for the first one that would be the one we'd think if there's any teething problems this will be the one and from my eyes when I was there as a spectator you couldn't really fault it what was watching the golf like in the shotgun start capacity yeah well that that's that was L- live yeah that was weird because we went again straight to go and watch Dustin so it was naturally very busy um, but what's weird is they kind of I don't know if this is good or bad, really, but it's weird. The, the tented village was rammed. Then it goes 15 minutes till tee off, whatever. There's like an announcement, and then it kind of opens up, everyone moves away. So we then went to the golf course and followed those guys for a little bit. And then we kind of ended up almost weirdly making our way back to the tented village because of where we're located. And it was still, it was, it's a lot more empty because obviously most people are on the golf course watching the golf. There was still a bit of a, of a vibe there. There were still people mulling around and buying drinks and getting food. But it felt 
a lot more quiet than like it would do at the open. Because at the open, again, there's people always at the Tented Village having a drink, having some coffee or whatever. Because typically, if you go to the open, you would want to get there very, very early. Mm -hmm. And you'd want to be there till very late. Yeah. Because the first tee is typically before 7 a.m. And then it continues till way past 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Where the event there, that wasn't the case. Like you leaving Manchester or, you know, for a two o'clock shotgun start, you had loads of time to get there. Yet you didn't feel like you were probably missing out on anything, did you? No, that was the thing. But we only stayed for probably, we stayed for probably three hours. We were there for less time than each side of the journey took us to be honest with you. But I, I didn't really want to go and see the golf bizarrely because I've seen that thankfully so many times at the open and stuff. And I'm sure I'll luckily get to see it again. It was more to see the actual event. Yeah. Um, but what was interesting, though, you think, like, people are um, naturally online having lots of negative things to say, which we will come on to for, for several reasons. I wonder how many people uh, were also kind of in that camp but just wanted to go and see it for themselves, and if that w- if it will keep that level of interest going forward. From my angle, I didn't go to the event. Um, just for this one, I wanted to kind of watch from a distance mm-hmm. to some degree and i watched a lot of it online as a lot of people know it was free on youtube which anyway for any sporting event is a massive plus yes for it to be free zero adverts and anybody in the world can watch it and again i've seen a lot of really good points online a lot of younger people youtube is their tv mm-hmm. that's what they watch everything on thankfully thank you everybody <laughs> From a production standpoint, I thought the production was very, very good. Mm. I thought the golf coverage was very good. For, again, a first event, there was loads of cameras out on the golf course. There was things like Shot Tracer was out there on the on the actual tees. That's actually the Shot Tracer we use. But it wasn't all the time, though, Not was it? That the was time. the only thing that was a shame. Yeah, I think that could definitely be improved. Um, from a watching as a spectator, again, on YouTube, it looked busy. Mm-hmm. It looked like there was an atmosphere. The players looked relaxed, yeah. definitely. And there was kind of a really nice vibe that was coming through the screen. The commentators were obviously very experienced. They've been doing this for, for years. I felt like it maybe lacked a little bit in, in difference. Like the commentary wasn't different to maybe what it could have been. Mm-hmm. You know, that suited behind the desk is what we've seen all the time on PJ Tour and DP World Tour. That could have maybe been a little bit different, yeah. a little bit more interactive and a bit more... Innovative. We yeah. talked about innovative innovation. Innovation. <laughs> about making things different. I don't feel like the commentary was as different as it could have been. Leaderboard was bizarre down the left yeah, hand side. I didn't mind it being on the left hand side. I get that. I wasn't a fan of the, these abbreviated names. I just didn't think it was necessary because it's what they do in the F one, but it kind of it's what you know in the F one. But I was looking at some of the names, even the names that you know of, and you had to kind of take a double check as to who is that. And because the the the, the logo at the side was the current like team logo. That, again, didn't help you. If no. it had, like, a logo of the, the flag they're from, like, it would make it easy to go, that's Sam Horsfield, is English. But yeah. it was a bit, that was a bit weird. Um, I loved, and genuinely watching it, what I did like, it was it was 2.15 tee off, shotgun start. Yeah. The coverage started at quarter to two, or pretty much, I think it was, or was it bang on two, actually? Anyway, there wasn't a lot of time in the build-up. It was kind of like, quick, Arlo White was explaining the rules because it was a new concept, a new idea. And all of that energy before was seeping through the screen. Yeah. I, I had like butterflies. I was like nervous for him. I was like, oh my God, this is the first event, the first tee shots. We're going to see Dustin Johnson here. Like, this is big. It feels like it feels like there's something happening here in the world of golf. 
from that point, I reckon I watched 15 minutes and I was like, oh, I'm mm. kind of done now. I've kind of, I've got my fix. Yeah. I've kind of seen what it was because from that point, it was actually quite hard to follow. I found it quite challenging to understand who was actually doing well. You know, that you had the leaderboard, but people were starting on different holes and have they gone through an easy stretch where there's a couple of easier par mm -hmm. fives and have these guys gone through a couple? So I found that quite confusing. Well, I found I that quite hard to, to follow. When it says at the top, like, 16 holes to play and then it goes to like 17 and then sometimes 15 it's, it's on that person isn't it so some obviously even though it's a shotgun start some will play quicker or have shorter holes to start so they'll have less holes to play yeah and that was a little bit confusing um but yeah it was I, I, one thing on that though the youtube factor one thing that i and this isn't a, a revolutionary thing but one thing i like is the fact that again with youtube you can pause it so i was um i think i said to you before but i was out and about Watching it in the car and I was stopped and then right I had to start driving again, paused it, got back home, just press play. Well, you can't do that on any, well, I can't on like my Now TV where I would watch the European tour. I can watch it on my phone, but I can't like pause it and stuff. So that was a big selling point for me. There was um, the other positive from the live stream is the fact that you can actually now, right now, I'm, I'm literally on the YouTube channel. You could watch all the coverage from every day. Weirdly, day one, the live stream, which was a shame because it would have shown the numbers of how many people were watching. I think they had to delete that and upload almost a uh, recording of it because right. what happened was it started at two. Did you see this? Yeah, they had all the bits before. All like the post-pre-production yeah. was already kind of on there. So I think they had to delete it and go again. But day two, for example, this is a live stream on YouTube, five and a half hours, had 590,000 views. Yeah. And the final day, live stream, six hours, seven minutes, 775,000 views. And they yeah. won't be unique viewers. A lot of those might have jumped off and come yeah, back on. Back. But... I mean, that's a lot of eyeballs on a, on a golf event. It is, and as I said, those parts that I enjoyed, I quite like how it's shorter, 54 holes. It weirdly feels like it's a lot shorter, doesn't it? Even yeah. though it's just one round, it feels a lot shorter. It was quite easy to digest, the fact that it's shotgun start, it's in a, a five-hour package. I wasn't sold on teams just yet. I think that felt like an afterthought. I think the idea of teams, when we had the interview with uh, Andy Gardner from the Premier Golf League, which is a very similar proposed golf league, that was a couple of years ago, the concept of teams for those guys was going to be very much that you could have actual like franchises that in the off season people people might get sold like you would in, in football. Um and it was that excited me. And that may be what this becomes in a couple of years, I think. I think that is the, the idea. I think that's what yeah, that, yeah, these will these are placeholder team names yeah. I feel. So at let's the just say you have team tailor-made, for example, and you've got four guys who all, you know, use tailor-made equipment to wear similar clothing or whatever, a uniform. One of them has a bad season or has a great season. Next thing, Team Callaway come with an offer and it turns their head. A bit like the F1. You can imagine that being really... For me, anyway, I would like that. And that would give you that kind of off-season excitement. I thought these random teams made no sense, really. No. There was obviously a South African team, an English team. But they were thrown together. I thought the names in on the whole were appalling. Having said that, if you said to me, think of 12 golf team names, I don't know where <laughs> yeah, to start. Yeah. But some of them just, I mean, four races was horrendous. That was just something like a, a, a primary school would make. Fireballs yeah. just felt ridiculous. Iron heads. I mean, it's, some of them were all right. Majestics, potentially all right. But There was like punch golf clubs, yeah, stinger golf club. Uh, some of them were horrendous. But, but in a weird way, already, and it sounds ridiculous, first week, I've I've not got that list in front of me. We re We reeled off probably six or seven of the names there. Out well, of 12. That's true. But then will they stay? Because obviously some of these guys now are going to have to be kicked off because yep. we know that Bryson's coming, Pat Perez is coming. It was a Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed's coming. 
So that means that three guys are going to go. So, and these, those guys, certainly Bryson feels like he's a captain material and Patrick Reed probably yeah. is as well. So it, it feels that like the team feel a bit kind of phony at the moment, an afterthought. And even when I was watching it, I was never once thinking up the team element really. And that kind of comes on to, to my next point really is I was very intrigued to watch it. That's a big, big word. I was intrigued like you were. I couldn't wait to see it actually in real life and see what it was like. Was it going to fail? Was it going to be okay? Was it going to be good? And overall, I would say it probably was more on the good spectrum. Well, considering that a lot of the golfing world, certainly the, the, the golfing world from PJ Tour, wanted this thing to fail. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Ridiculously. Definitely. definitely. So considering how much things were stacked against it, they did very well. Yeah, but like, obviously last night, which we'll probably come on to as well, but Rory won his 21st PGA Tour title. He made that is, very clear. Which is one more than Greg Norman, which is like, <laughs> yeah, he made very clear. Um, but for me, when you think of a, a golfer winning a major or a PGA Tour event or a DP World Tour event or LET, whichever, you know, a serious event, whether it's the first one or it's one that add into their collection, it makes you look at them in a different way, in a in positive way. So, you know, when Danny Willett won the Masters, he's not just Danny Willett anymore. He's a green jacket He's owner. a Masters champion. Exactly. You know, when somebody... I remember when, years ago now, when Phil Mickelson won his first major, I remember him not being... He was always the yep. best player to have never won. Yep. And he finally won one. What, I don't even know what year it was. It was early 2000s. I remember it, though. And it was like, oh, he's now a major champion. And you could even look a little bit lower down the scale. But when Richard Bland finally won on the DP World Tour, it's like, you have now won on the yep. DP World Tour. Yeah. With this, Charles Swartzel won the the first ever event. You know, he's already a major champion. He's a, he's a big name. He won, I think, was it four million dollars? And it, it's the the single thing I couldn't overlook this whole event. The the number one thing I did not care for one second how much money these guys were playing for. No, it didn't for me for one second make it more interesting. The only thing that I thought about it that made it arguably more interesting, but was in a negative. So Andy Ogletree, and he's obviously, he has been, I mean, he's only a young guy, but he won the US Amateur. He won the low amateur at the Masters when Tiger won, so 2019. He can play golf. As of late, he's had very bad form, but he's naturally getting invites to things because he was the US Open, um, US Amateur Champion, sorry. He's got 24 over par in three rounds of golf, which can happen, but, you know, terrible level of golf, let's be honest and won $120,000. Now, that doesn't really sit right, does it? No, it, there's definitely, um, yeah. But I don't <laughs> I don't feel like last place should, should, you almost, there should be a point. I don't mind the no cut, because again, from a viewer standpoint, if you'd bought tickets, and you're taking your dad and your brother on, mm. let's say, the final day, and you'd promised them that you're going to see Dustin yeah. Johnson, you're going to see Phil Mickelson, and they wouldn't have made the cut. You wouldn't have seen them. The fact you can guarantee they are going to be there is a huge benefit for the, for the TV guys who are, or YouTube, whoever going to stream it, and the spectators that are going live. Yeah, I almost think there should be some level of, if you're not within 20 shots of the leader, that's when you don't make money. Yeah. So, so you can still be there. Yeah, you're still going to see your favourite golfers, but if you're not within twenty shots or whatever it may be, twenty five shots of the winner, yeah, you shouldn't be able to make money from that well, event. Well, I'm just trying. I'm not being rude. I'm trying to pull up here. So Sam Horsfield, you know, friend of the channel, been on the uh, podcast, been on obviously the main. We'll channel. have to get him back on again and ask what he thought about it. All. Well, he came fifth, 
And he, he very nearly came second, actually. But he came fifth and won in dollars, obviously, nine, seven, five. So nearly a million dollars. So I think this exchange rate now is not that great for us. So it's probably not far off. It, let's say 900 grand sterling. In He won on the uh, DP World Tour and he won 300,000 euros. Wow. So he's essentially... Tripled it. Quadrupled yeah, it. Well, yeah, not, uh, trip, more like tripled it, I think. I don't know the exchange rates, but roughly, let's just say tripled it. You can see why these guys are tempted, can't you? Certainly the guys like a Sam who are early in their career who want to kind of set themselves a foundation. A guy like Richard Bland who, you know, is getting to the... Although it's the peak of his career in some ways, he'd argue more like the end of his career because of his age. The ones that I think, and naturally a lot of people have an anger towards, if you like, is your Dustin Johnson's. I believe his fee for signing on was more than Tiger's ever won on the golf course. Is it $125 million? I believe so, and I think Tiger's won like 120 on course. Obviously, he's got loads more off course well, naturally. Well, weirdly, this weekend he was also announced as, as a billionaire. Yeah. sports billionaire. What a time to get that title, by the way. <laughs> well, that's the thing. But but you also think, with you know, when you look at the names now, you actually have got a handful who are still super competitive and competitive in majors. You know, you've got Dustin. Mm. You're going to have, well, Bryson's not been brilliant, but, but really, you've got Bryson, you've got Patrick Reed. You know, Sam Horsford is on the up. You've, you've got, I'm trying to think of any more names on there that really you'd expect to see. You know, well, Louis Hazen does well in a lot of the majors. You, you have got now roughly, let's say, six or seven guys on there who are genuine, elite, elite, world-class golfers. How many does it need before it almost, you know, look at the strength of the PJ Tour, it's ridiculous. But how many does Liv need before it is well, a real threat? This event, London One, will be the weakest field Liv Golf ever have. Mm, you think so, yeah. You, you can almost, you know, it's not going to get weaker from this point because you're adding more talent. I think there's going to be a lot of talk this week at the US Open. There's going to be a lot of talk between players who played in the Liv and players who didn't. There might be some persuading going on. There might be some encouragement going one way or the other. It also might be quite frosty. Yeah. It might be quite a hostile environment this week for some of the guys who played in Live. Certainly if they're going over to the US Open and, you know, they're walking past someone who is vocally against it like Rory McElroy. They're not gonna be best friends this week, are they? Let's be honest. I can't imagine. Um so there might be a lot of locker room talk, there might be a lot of meetings with agents and management, and it wouldn't surprise me the next event which is in a couple of weeks' time, um, there'd be a lot more players signed up, personally. Yeah, it's a funny one because, obviously, the, the early guys, let's be honest, have gone for the money. They, they've, they've used other excuses as well and said they love the shorter format, they love the team element, but ultimately they've gone for money and there's not really been anyone massively, apart from maybe Richard Bland, who's come out and said that. But somebody like Rory has come out and said he wants to play on the PJ Tour because that's where the best players play, and I, and I believe that. But ultimately... If more and more do start to go, and I mean, I can't see it, but if it happens where Liv is literally where the strongest players are playing, would Rory almost be forced to move? Well, I remember him saying that a few months ago now. He doesn't want to go. He's made that very clear, but he does want to play against the best players in the world. And if that's where the best players in the world are playing, I could imagine him being forced to move over there, potentially. The next event is in two weeks in Portland, uh, is that, that Pumpkin Ridge one, or is that the one after that? That's one? Pumpkin yeah. Ridge, yeah. So in this time, I think in this two-week period where players have seen the event, it, 100%, a lot of players on the PGA Tour would have been watching that live stream these last three days and going, bloody hell, how much is... Ch- I can beat Charles Schwartzel. Mm. 
I can, I can beat him. Do you know what I mean? Why am I not making four and a half million? You're also going to get potentially partners, wives, girlfriends, family going, you can beat Charles Schwartzel. Management going, you can beat Charles Schwartzel. Yeah. Suddenly you're going, yeah, probably, you know what, I could. Why am I not earning four million? Do you know what I mean? For three days work. Um, but genuinely, from, from, a, from a fan, from somebody who loves golf and loves loves kind of, I'm not a diehard, I don't watch every single event. And I actually think it would have been impossible to watch every event this week. Yeah, we well, couldn't. But to, I like watching majors, I like watching exciting golf. Hand on heart, the money that they were playing for didn't make it any more interesting for me one bit. In fact, I almost feel like the money has completely overshadowed the whole event. Mm. I feel like the outlandish... It wouldn't be here without the money, it would it? That's the thing. It's but like chicken the in the crazy, egg. crazy, crazy sums of money these players are signing up for. The well, crazy money they're playing for. And obviously, where the money is coming from... Well, yes. ...is a huge sticking point for a lot of people. Do you think, and, and rightly so, and it should be, and, and I don't pretend to be educated enough or politically aware enough to really have a proper, proper understanding of this. But do you think, and, and rightly so, that's been such a big point here now, will that almost dilute in time? If this event gets better and the players get better and in six months, in a year, in three years, will people still feel that strongly about it? No. People will people will over, overlook it, I, I believe, yeah. is my opinion. I, I believe that people will be very vocal on this first event that we saw, and rightly so, like you say, the human rights issues, um, you know, the way that the, the, the Saudis have, have treated people, it's obviously very well publicised. The fact that they're pumping so much money into it, the talks of sports washing, mm. that gets branded out a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, you know, what are their intentions in it? it? Is it from the growing the game? Is it to build this amazing tour? Is it to pump money through sports? You know, it's it's very very interesting, um, but I genuinely believe every single event. I'd be surprised if it didn't. I think people's opinion, if it's a really 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 good product, if it gets better than what it was in London every single time, I genuinely believe people will kind of overlook it, rightly or wrongly. But that, I believe that's what will happen. You know, you know what's interesting though? I, again, I'm not getting into this debate massively, and the people in the comments who will be much more articulate I guess and knowledgeable than I, than I could ever be but with the whole sports watching thing I understand the concept is that you put money into something to make, take the conversation away from your terrible human rights and look at this glossy golf league we have when that concept makes sense but on the contrary to that if anything I feel and again I'm far from educated but I know a little bit more about this, the terrible things that happen in Saudi off the back of this <laughs> yeah. league so in, in a way it kind of works oppositely it's like Oh, can it do both? Can you say, you know what, I'm now a little bit more aware, or in some cases a lot more aware, of, of how terrible things are in Saudi. That's atrocious. I don't believe in it. It's not how the world should be. That's one thing. But you could also enjoy the golf as well. Like, do you get what I mean? Yeah. Like, I definitely know a little bit more about it now, and I probably should learn more and more about it. If this golf league hadn't come about in the last year or two, I wouldn't have probably known any about that stuff. It, to some degree, almost publicised it a little That's bit more, That's what I mean, it? yeah. What was also very interesting, talking about the money, and I don't believe it'll ever happen, but it was quite an interesting headline. At the presentation, uh, Yazir announced that any player that would shoot 54, which is like the yeah. perfect score, so 18 under par on a, on a par 72, would be awarded $54 million. Yeah, 
It, it's cool, it's but never, never going to happen. That's the thing. It's, it's, it's like happen. we could say that. We could say we're going to donate a billion quid someone that shoots 18 over 18 holes. <laughs> it's not going to happen, but it's done, interesting. Done right I mean, now. But um, yeah, I think what's interesting, can it keep this excitement? The next event, I think it will have the excitement because Bryson's going to be playing. You know, that attracts it. That attracts me. I must admit, I'm not a massive Pat Perez fan or follower or Patrick Reed. I don't massively like, but um, I'll be watching it for Bryson. But then, like the third event, if there's nobody new signed by, then it's just kind of the current field that we know about. Will I still be as excited as I was for the first one? I don't feel like I will, but only time will tell. So they have, they will have to keep innovating and keep, you know, really strengthening this team side of it to actually make it fresh and make people keep tuning in week after, well, I know it's not week after week, but event after event. It's, uh, I think because it's it's eight this year and ten next year, I think it's enough, it's small enough to potentially build that momentum. Yeah. If it was every week, I think it would lose, it would fizzle out yeah. a little bit. It's a bit, like, again, a bit like F1. F1's not every week. There's only True. a certain amount of events and you can kind of get excited for those certain events. Um, I asked a question on what did people think on uh, about Live Golf Invitational um, on Twitter and Instagram. Very different responses. I think Twitter will be more against it. It was polarised without question. You know, quite literally, I'd read one comment that's saying, this is the best thing ever, you know, amazing for golf. And this, that, and the other, literally next comment saying, this is horrendous. I can't ever watch it. Yep. This is terrible. It's it, it literally as split as that. I also did a poll on Twitter, and this is quite different. This is Twitter poll. Um, nearly 8,000 people voted. 34% was for Liv. 38% was against Liv. And 28% was neutral. Mm. So as a, as a whole, majority was against it. But a lot of those neutrals could probably go either way. Um, and you'd probably say on Twitter, slightly older audience than Instagram. Because on my Instagram... Very, very interesting. I did a poll as, again. 29% loved it. Only 20% hated it. 50% was not decided. Oh, wow. So much more kind of open-minded yeah. aspect on Instagram. And again, slightly younger audience. Where do you sit? It's a great question. I was undecided when it kicked off. Mm -hmm. I was unsure and not quite seeing which way it was going to go. I went into it incredibly open-minded from a from a product. Yep. Forget anything else. Forget what goes on behind the scenes, but from an actual product. And I thought it was good, not brilliant, mm -hmm. could be better. Mm -hmm. I th you know, I was interested, but as you mentioned, would I be interested every single event? We'll have to see. So I, th I think at parts I tipped to loving it and parts I dipped back into undecided. Yeah. I don't believe there was ever a time where I hated it. I was kind of somewhere between undecided, love it, yeah. undecided, love it. That's kind of where I sat. What about yourself? Yeah, similar really. Like I said, there's parts of it that I really like. Um, certainly they're streaming it for free on YouTube. I think that's great. I think um, the shorter format was, was good. I think the only thing right now that I'm not feeling, which I don't think you ever would after the first event, is almost like the glory of winning one. It doesn't feel like, I don't look at, Giles Swartz lane differently now. I don't think it's any more prestige. And even if somebody that was a smaller name had won it, I wouldn't have felt. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I don't know. I don't feel anymore... You know what I mean? Like I said, yeah. yesterday, Pete, uh, um, Rory won his 21st event on the PJ Tour, and it's like, that's some doing that. Just to win any event on the PJ Tour is, is ridiculous. You know, you're, you're beating the best players. It's a PJ Tour event. This doesn't feel like that. But having said that, I suppose, sometimes when the European Tour's in some mad place, do I look at that and really, you know, I don't know. So it's and difficult. Who who won, and what was the feeling when the first ever canadian open was won. yeah exactly there probably wasn't that prestige then and there but give it five ten years potentially i don't know it's like, oh my god you've won you've won london yeah. oh my god that's amazing i don't i don't know i yeah. don't know how it's gonna go who knows um we will wait and see yes what was interesting though as we saw before um pj tour have suspended the players the um majors at the moment have not kind of Pin the tail to the to the mask, so to speak. Well, the US Open's letting them in, isn't it? Letting them in. I can't. I can imagine the Open yeah. letting them in. The Masters, the Masters the might one. be a different one, um, and that's the one that probably a lot of the players will be gutted about playing in. Uh, not playing in, sorry. Um, live golf at the moment is not. You can't win. Um, can't win. Can't be awarded world ranking points as yet. But there might be some collaboration with the Asian Tour yeah. that could have let that. Where does the DP World Tour sit in all of this? Well, that's a very sticky one because, as you know, it's been announced, was it a year or so ago, whatever it was, that the DP World Tour, ex-European Tour, and the PJ Tour have this new like strategic alliance. So they're kind of in some level of partnership, and obviously PJ Tour have banned everybody. But equally... Suspended. The, suspended everybody, sorry. <laughs> but the DP World Tour, as it is in the name, is sponsored by DP World, which is obviously over in the Middle East in Dubai. And from what I believe and what I've been told, which may be incorrect, I don't know, but Dubai and Saudi Arabia are very close allies and get on very well. So if if they if, if they ban people, DP World probably won't be very happy. And, and also, you know, at the end of the day, DP World are paying a fortune to sponsor the European Tour to have good players on there. And if, you know, Sam Horsfield is now banned and if, if DJ can't go and play over there if he wanted to and 
it's going to start being a, a weaker field and less advertising, less eyeballs potentially. So I wouldn't be surprised if the DP World Tour do allow them, but who knows? It would surprise me if they stood really strong because they need yeah. players. Well, imagine if they could have an event where DJ turns up to get some world ranking points. They're going to love it, you'd, you'd love imagine. It. Love it. Like, say, you, you look at the British Masters that we went to a few weeks back. Imagine, I think that was the only thing it was missing, those really, yeah. really headline players. Like, the, the probably the biggest headline player playing that week was... Danny Willett? Can't even think now. Who, who hosted it? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, headline player, won the Masters. If you could sprinkle in some a, Mickelson. A Bryson and Mickelson and bit, Dustin. Do you know what I mean? That could that could really work for him. So that'll be very, very, the, very The only thing that is bad, and this is a problem for just life in general, and it, irrelevant of the money coming from Saudi or not, it, it's terrible really how money can just buy stuff, isn't it? Like, Crazy. it sounds obvious, but like, you can just, if you've got enough money, you can start a golf tour, you can get the best players and you go, look what I've done, just for money. And you can make it as good as what it was. Yeah. All the camera, because that wouldn't have been cheap. Like, you can, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's crazy. And I know it's not really about being sustainable, but there must be a point where they don't want to keep losing money. They've paid out, was it two billion they had to start with or whatever? I think that's where the franchise is. That's probably what they're banking on in the future. People, yeah. That if they can build these franchises out and let's say a TaylorMade or a Red Bull or somebody, you know, come in and, and build it out properly, I think that's where they make the money back or recruit, recoup some costings yeah, anyway. It's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a strange one and we'll be sat here in a couple of years either and it'll be the, the big thing or I'll be like, do you remember that league <laughs> yeah. goal? But a bit like, I mean, these are the same guys who have bought Newcastle Football Club recently, yeah. right? Are, are they doing it? Are they trying to make money from it, really? Like... No Are idea. they just a bit of a something to do? I think we can't comprehend the wealth, can yeah. we? So to us, naturally, to everybody in the world, two, $2 billion is an absolute fortune, obviously. To those guys, it's probably not, really. Aren't they worth, like, outrageous uh, I amounts? Don't, I don't even know. I'll see if I can find it. One. Um, yeah, try and find that. What What's also crazy, 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 crazy this week, and it really is... History was made on the DP World Tour this week, yes. and it's not really getting talked about at all, so I definitely want to give it some airtime. In the Scandinavian mix this week, which is the um, Henrik Stenson and Annika Sorensen event um, in Sweden, there was the first ever official lady winner. So Lynn Grant, who had an incredible final round of eight under par, so finished the tournament 24 under par, winning by nine shots over Henrik Stenson won the first ever European or DP World Tour event. Yes. First woman. Record breaking. Um, same prize fund. Same event. Uh, the only difference was, and it's definitely a talking point, of different tees. Mm -hmm. So the gents played a golf course that was 7,000 yards. The women played a golf course that was 6,400 yards. I wasn't sure how that kind of was was perceived in the general golfing world I actually spoke to sophie walker we had on the podcast last week she mentioned that a lot of the women actually don't fare very well in this event normally and there was only actually two women in the top 20 wow lynn grant being one of them and obviously she absolutely walked away with it but it wasn't as if the golf course was so uneven yeah that the, all the women did incredibly well and they they dominated the top 20 yeah there's only two in the top 20 but this lynn grant had gone out and absolutely killed it i didn't watch it live there was too much golf to watch this weekend um but her final round highlights were in 
incredible. Mm. She played phenomenal. The other interesting thing, this was also live streamed for free on YouTube this week. Yeah, as was the PJ Tour as well in parts. As was the Curtis Cup. Yeah, I saw that as well. It was almost, I think, you know, that's... Welcome to YouTube, everybody. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing, isn't it? That ultimately, you know, I suppose Live Golf could have some huge negative effects for, for the viewer, for the fan and whatever, but equally, in a lot of ways, competition can be good. And if it can drive more you know, free golf on YouTube. And as I said before, for me, it's not about the fact it's free because I'm fortunate enough I've already got Sky on my phone anyway. It's more the fact they've paused, isn't it? Yeah. I know it sounds ridiculous, but for me, that's a massive... I don't. A lot of people have Sky on the TV, they can pause. I, I don't have that. It's more the fact that, yeah, for you from a personal standpoint, but there is a lot of people who got into golf by watching it on the BBC Yeah, when it was free yeah. to watch. No adverts, it's free. Are we getting back to that a little bit more? As I mentioned before, the new up-and-coming wave of young people, young golfers, young, hopefully future golfers, consume content on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. And if it's free and they know how to use it, it's all there. It's like their world. I think that's definitely um, a starting point, but I still think we've got a job to do or the, 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 the tournaments do to make, the golf, make it a good viewing experience because you can't just go... It's on YouTube, people start playing golf yeah. now. Because I watched some of the PJ Tour last night on Sky. And there was so many, like, cutaways where it, just, it cuts to, like, trees. And then it'll be, like, for, honestly, about 30 seconds. And then it'll, like, shove a leaderboard on top of it. Like, it's, like, almost B-roll. So like, this is boring. And then it'll yeah. finally cut. And just, just uh, start again. Justin Rose was on track for a uh, 59. And it did show his shots, but it very, like, slow. It didn't kind of cut back. It was dead slow. And it was just like, oh, you know, talk about that more. He's about to, hopefully going to shoot 59. He didn't do. But it, it wasn't the the best. PJ Tour don't do the best coverage at all. I've definitely seen glimpses of the PJ Tour this week doing things slightly different. Mm. And it, without questions, come from Live Golf. Yeah. Because if you look, did you see the clip of the locker room of Tony Finau? Rory McIlroy and Ju uh, Justin Thomas getting ready. No, so it was like it was like in the locker oh, room. That's quite cool. And you were seeing them put the shoes on. You've seen them chat to each other. You were seeing Tony Finau getting kind of um, what those guns, theragund on his back. You were hearing. You were seeing them kind of get dressed to some degree and having a bit of a chat and talking about the weather. Uh -huh. And it was like, oh, this is this a bit is different. Different. Mm -hmm. It it kind of felt a little bit forced. Yeah, it was almost like. Guys, we've got to do something different here. We've got to get a camera there. Get yeah, yeah. Did you see the crane at the Canadian Open yes, as well? Like was there was weird. this massive crane where you could actually book a book a seat on this crane and you could watch the golf from an aerial view. Again, something a little bit different. Again, the live the PJ Tour this week, the Canadian Open was live streamed on YouTube for free. Um, they, they were definitely doing things different for the PJ Tour. They couldn't have dreamt for a better retaliation than what. Roy McIlroy, Tony Finau and Justin Thomas and Justin Rose gave them yeah. last night. No, 100%. And I ended up putting it on to, to watch as well. Um, but will that continue? Can they have the, Can they have those names every week? I don't know. But that was definitely the week to do it on. Yeah, they, they couldn't have written it. I don't know. I've not got a clue how much money he won. No. Don't care. Don't need to know. It doesn't bother me. It's the one thing I don't honestly don't care. The Open, the Masters, you never know. I mean, you might hear about it, but you don't ever think, do you, when they're going down 18? Oh, Danny Willett's going to win $1 million or whatever it was at the time. The, the only time I ever think about it is when it's like, let's say a Sam Horse film go, good for him. Yeah. Like, I feel like, I feel like I'm friends with him. Good for him. Well done. I'm, but for these guys, 
How much Roy McIlroy worth? Like yeah, millions and millions. Of, I don't. I don't actually care how much he wins. They they could have paid him ten million. Wouldn't have bothered me. But, but could Liv get to that though? They're plowing all this money into it now to get the guys over. Once we get used to them winning four million dollars a time, but you might have let's say Bryson potentially a Rory, a filmmaker, Dustin, etc. And there's three of them battling out at the end, and one of them wins. Would it be more about, oh my God, he won? Yeah, well, that's it. It could be that, but it's going to be a long like time until it is. The FedEx at the end of the year yeah. is like 25 million. Honestly, don't care. Yeah. I know the players will. Of course they will. They're, they're thinking about it. But as a viewer, I couldn't care The less. only thing I did think about the money this time, actually, to be fair, was a little bit, as I said earlier on, about how the, the guys that were playing so bad still got so much. And I also thought about a little bit more, like when it was the last few puts, that if he missed it, that was going to lose him like 300 grand. And it was that little bit of like, that putt is worth £300,000. Like, yeah. That was the only time I really thought about it. But yeah, other than that, it's not a big thing. There was me. a little bit of beef going on. Interviews, social media. Rory, again, mentioned in his, in his winning speech that he's now won 21 PGA Tour events. He made it very clear that that's one more than somebody else. He was referring to Greg Norman with that statement. Obviously, Greg Norman being the CEO of Live Golf, the front man, so to speak. Um Jay Monaghan did an interview for on it was on Sky Sports, but Jim uh, Nance interviewed him, asked him some really tough questions. Like I've not seen that. It's yet. really good. Um, asked him some really tough questions because, as much as Jay Monaghan, who is the commissioner for the PJ Tour, he has retaliated with a letter as soon as the guys teed up on that on that Thursday at Centurion. He's not been out and publicly said anything. In his interview with Jim uh, Nance, he <laughs> I don't know it. He, he didn't really make it super clear why he'd banned these golfers or suspended these golfers. Yeah. It was almost like I'm protecting the PGA Tour members who are loyal, but but he didn't really say I banned them because of this. It all it was almost to some degree. I think he made a, a statement as along the lines of why do they need to play in the PGA Tour if Live Golf is so lucrative? Yeah. And it was almost him saying, well. They can't have the cake and eat literally it. Literally what I was going to say. They, yeah. they literally can't do it. They can't go and get in bed over there and come back and get in our bed as well. Yeah. We're not having it. So basically that's what he's kind of come out and said. But quite literally, there's no reason for these golfers not to be able to play everywhere they want. There is no actual, yeah. there's no no law being broken as such. Um, but the interview is very good. He kind of, it looked a bit on edge and, and like I say, it's definitely worth checking out. I'm trying to think what other takeaways there was from it. He mentioned about how the product PJ Tour can get better, and he said it's going to get better. The next ten years is going to be the the best ten years. That easy to say. Mm-hmm. How's yeah. that going to work out? A lot of people have said online competition is good. Yeah, like when competition is good, like we've seen it in YouTube. Yeah, like we we don't make a disguise when we watch good good golf. We're going, but hell, that that's quite good. That's mm-hmm. quite well shot. Okay, we need to up our game. Hundred percent. And you know, and and that's what we want to do in in YouTube world. If we see. If we see something that we believe better, we'll continue to evolve and get better with it. Is that what's going to happen in professional golf? Quick question. This might be a, a, a random point, but obviously at the moment, the best players still live on the PGA Tour for now, and, and that may continue to be the case. It may not be. But there's been a lot of comments, people saying, oh, I don't want to watch live golf because the older guys are not as good. And, and that does make sense. But we also know, and this isn't a silly comment, what well, it might be, but it's not supposed to be. A lot of people want to watch you play golf or Peter Finch play golf or Good Good play golf and you guys aren't the best players in the world, which you obviously would admit, but you can get a million views in a video. Live Golf are trying to get the best players, but even if they don't get the very best players, 
is there an opportunity where their product becomes so good? <laughs> yeah, no, you're <laughs> not playing <laughs> for me to go and shoot. Yeah, no, is there, is there an opportunity where the product come becomes so good and so exciting and so almost bingeable that you actually don't need the very very best players? I think you need the best personalities then. Yeah, well, is that what they're kind of going for? If you look at it, you've got Phil Mickelson's controversial. People want to watch him. You've got Patrick Reed again, very kind of controversial. And, Pat and Perez, good Pat character. Perez, exactly. You know, Dustin's a bit of a is it one of a bomber? He bombs it a mile. People want to watch him. There was a clip in the Polter, in the, in the promo clip. Did you see that where um, Dustin, uh, Bubba Watson, and Matt Wolf were in the promo clip? Oh, really? Of Liv, accidentally or on purpose? I'm not sure. Like are those characters that they would be seen as. You, you look at a, you look at a golf golfer who would be. Um, entertaining, right? Fictional yeah. character, Happy Gilmore. Yeah, you go and watch Happy Gilmore, regardless of what he shot, and a bit of what you see at these events, like your, your Bryson, bit of Happy Gilmore, yeah. your, your Patrick Reeds, your Pat Perez's, your Matt Wolf, funky golf swings, and like, yeah, maybe maybe these characters. Th- there was microphones on the caddies again. I know we're coming back to live golf here now. Microphones on the caddies. I don't feel like that came across as well as it could no, have done. It didn't. I'd love to have properly, properly had these players microphoned and like get get in the faces while they're playing. Go and ask them questions. But but that's the thing. If you again back onto live golf, I think we can't, this episode of the podcast we're going to be on it a lot. But if you look at some of the names they've got, you know, you Westwood, you Polters, you said your Bryson's coming now. These personalities that have been around for a long time and are kind of almost household names. Okay, they might not be the most competitive now, but if you look at the top like twenty golfers in the world, there's obviously <laughs> actually amazing golfers. But if you look at Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, uh, Sam Burns, Billy Horschel, Xander Shoffley, uh, Matsuyama, Will Zalatoris, amazing golfers. But are they as ex- at the moment anyway? Are people as excited to watch those guys? I don't know. If you want just best the best golf, then yes, they are obviously because they're the best players in the world. But if you want that a little bit more, well, like you said, we've seen it on my YouTube channel. Yeah, I can play terrible golf, but get ridiculous amounts of views because it's the story. Hopefully, it's the personality. People want to tune in. They engage with it. They relate to it. When they see me play well, the great video we had last week at St Andrews that we released, and I think people really, the comments on that video have been outrageously positive Mm -hmm. like the production the quality the way we you the way you play the front nine the way kind of i played at the end obviously dramatic finish with the eagle on the last like people loved that so god thing is what i think i'm getting better at is understanding golf is is consumed differently in Mm -hmm. all different ways and maybe we can have every single way maybe every way is possible and none of it's bad potentially i don't know you could you could end up having the the PJ Tour is where the, the the best players are, and it's more almost serious. And it could be that Liv is still elite players who've done great things or up and coming players, but it's more it is more that team element. It's more kind of fast paced, and it's a bit more short form potentially. I'd like to see all of them work. I don't yeah. want, I don't want to see the PJ Tour or the DP World Tour get weaker. I don't. I want the best Ryder Cup. I do. I want the best players in the world being the best players in the yeah. world in world rankings. I want the best players in the world turn up to every single major, and I also want to see live fast paced, exciting event to happen. Mm. So, so maybe it can all. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Um, well, last week as well, while you're off, I played in a group on a completely different note of a hundred golfers. 
I saw this. <laughs> On paper, it sounds like hell. <laughs> it was absolutely crazy. So we went down to the Shire, which is an absolutely amazing golf course. We played in the Trevor yep. Nelson Golf Day. Incredible venue. Seve designed. Only Seve designed golf course in the UK. Um, and it was Eric Anders Lang, who you, you would have seen on the channel before, a few years ago, um, uh, in the Isle of Man. He does a series called Invention in Golf with Scratch TV. Um, and he also has his own YouTube channel. But he's kind of created this kind of random golf club community meetup kind of idea. And basically, you come down, you meet up, and we played as a group, as one group. The golf course was closed for people wondering. We shut the golf course down. We played as one group all together as a collective, like, bloody party out on the golf course. Music was playing, drinks were flowing, loads of pictures, loads of, like, fun chatting. Yeah. You partner up with someone that you don't know, which I thought was a really good idea. Yeah. So you partner up with someone you literally do not, you don't partner up with anybody you actually know. And you play golf, you played golf in pairs. We played about four or five holes. The golf didn't really matter. It was really, really, really fun. Yeah. And so different. The people that I got to meet on that day was, again, so different to what we'd see as a traditional golfer. Yeah. And loads of them were asking me about live and whether they were going and what, and they were like, yeah, I'm interested. I'm, I'm yeah. interested how it goes. But yeah, it was quite cool. It did. It looked, um, some of the pictures that you shared. <laughs> dangerous. It looked dangerous. <laughs> it looked, obviously, it's obviously more about the, the meeting up with people than actually playing golf. Like you said, you can't play golf even remotely seriously with 100 people. But it's a very cool and innovative thing. And Eric's obviously a very kind of out there guy, very forward thinking guy. But like you said, from I know you can't judge people off the clothing they wear, but when you look at the people and the, and the outfits, they were the very kind of funky and cool. And like you said, a younger demographic, which I don't feel like I see very often in, in, in the real world, but it's cool that people like that are playing golf. They feel Amazing. more like almost a subculture, like a skate, skater world, almost like... It's almost a bit like urban golf. Yeah. It almost feels like, it's like you say, it's almost like street golf. It's, yeah. But it, but it is still golf. Like Some of the guys were really, really good. Yeah. And there was also quite a lot of newer golfers, and there was quite a lot of beginners and a few ladies and there was one guy who'd been playing golf for 60 years That's and there mad. was one guy who'd been playing golf for seven months i was really hoping you were gonna put some mad outfit on to try and fit in <laughs> with your really like baggy pants and like some cool shoes and your hat on backwards and stuff go what's up booyakasha <laughs> 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 call, call myself like ricky yeah <laughs> that would have been good ricky s um the shields and eater <laughs> yeah i think um it, it was it was really good and we talked about dress code earlier. I honestly don't believe though if dress code I want dress code to be relaxed. I absolutely believe it should be, personally. If it did, I don't think I'd change much what I'd wear. We've spoken about this before. Yeah, I, don't think but I, would. I like wearing golf gear. Yeah. It makes me feel like I'm playing golf. It's and that's just okay. It's just that thing that if you had your clubs in the car and you've been out in other clubs, you have to go home to get yeah. changed. Can be but I'm the same. I think golf the golf pants I wear now, golf trousers, whatever, are like a, a really like soft material, a dead comfy. Three quarter, little quarter zips are fine. Like it doesn't feel like it. It's that uncool or uncomfortable. So I am the same. I'd probably just wear this anyway. If I'd have gone to, if I wasn't on holiday, I'd have gone with it. I'd have pulled out a rascal outfit though. No, you would. Yeah, I would. Have I'd have gone with a no, bucket hat. I'd have had my pants tucked into my socks <laughs> and worn like Crocs or something. And go, I don't believe I'm wearing golf shoes. Don't give me that. Yeah. Um, I've also signed up to do the London Marathon next year. Oh my god! So you always do weird stuff. When I'm not here. <laughs> <laughs> runs well, a few 10ks yeah i've got to talk about the weirdest thing i'm about yeah, to do soon but but so um when i was at the shire 
there was the, the guy who owns it is called Kerry. Lovely, lovely, lovely man. Honestly, lovely. He um r- really unfortunately, I mean devastatingly, his he lost his son last year, oh his six year old son to cancer. And it, it's horrible. And he, he's so open about it. He's so lovely about it. He's obviously been through really, really hard times. And in the post that you'll see on um Instagram, I was wearing a hat that had like oh, a, but- saw that, yeah. a butterfly on it. And that's his charity. Oh. His charity set up because when he when his son did pass away, he felt like he got no support. Right. It was it was quite lonely. Mm-hmm. And he set up a charity called It's Never You. And on the back of it, his little boy was called Hugh. And um when he his last birthday, his dad's last birthday, Hugh had written him a, a birthday card, like saying, like, love dad here. And he drew a picture of an owl and he put and he put Hugh. And Kerry's actually had that tattooed on his arm. Oh. It's lovely, lovely, lovely. But on the back of the hat, it also that said Hugh, written by Hugh himself. Um, and we we got chatting and I talked about what I'm doing this week, which we'll come on to in a minute. And I said, I've always loved to do London Marathon. He went, well, I've got a charity spot. Do you want it? And I was like, oh yeah, okay, why not? Wow. So I'm going to be running for charity for um, It's Never You. But you have to you, keep training up then. I'll keep training up. So if you if you see, if you ever go to the Shire, on in the pro shop there's like hats there's head covers there's towels with this logo the butterfly logo and uh pick some up donate it's lo- lovely lovely cause he's done really well um however talking about charity and talking about a bit of a mad challenge and it doesn't feel real yet yet it's happening tomorrow straight after this podcast we are heading north again we're going back to scotland and we're going filming a break 75 at presswick today yes. You, me, and the head pro. Yes. Presswick, if you didn't know, is the first ever open venue is. back in 1860. It hosted the first 12 opens. No, I think it was 20-odd. Oh, wow. Oh, no, so maybe the first one, but it has had 20-odd. Sorry, my bad, yeah. Um, in about, was it about 1920s it stopped hosting 1925, it? I think, was the last one, um, because even back then there was so much, so many people going to watch. It couldn't, it couldn't fit the infrastructure of having so many people there. And also, it was the place where young Tom Morris won his third Open. So, for winning his third Open in a row, I should add, he got to keep the championship belt. I can't think of the official name of it, but it was like the, the big red belt. Sounds good to me. Uh, and that is then why the Claret Jug, he got to keep it. So, the next year, there was no tournament because there was no prize. So, after that, uh, apparently, I think it was Presswick, Muirfield, St. Andrews, and somebody else all ch- chucked in 10 quid. And that then bought the Claret Jug, I believe. That's crazy, isn't it? That is unbelievable. Yeah. So doing a break 75 there this afternoon. But then from said location, from Presswick, the first ever open venue, I'm about to embark on a bit of a crazy mission. So from, if you you don't know where Presswick is, it's on the west coast of Scotland. It's exactly 150 miles if you were to walk... <laughs> To St. Andrews. Which you wouldn't do, you're not stupid. <laughs> Who would walk from Presswich to St. Andrews? Dude, this man. This man right here. So, on Tuesday, Tuesday morning, I am going to set off. Uh, I'm going to announce it properly on social media today, and this cl- clip might be used as well for that. Um, I'm going to set off from Presswick in the morning. I'm inviting people to come and join me for the first walk of the golf course, around the golf course at 8 o'clock in the I'll morning. I'll do that one with you. Thank you, appreciate <laughs> it. From that point then, I'm going to be walking continuously with my golf clubs on my back oh i didn't know you're doing that bit with my golf clubs on my back for 26 miles a day for six days solid so six marathons in six days 
walking 150 miles to raise as much money as possible for Prostate Cancer UK. That's class. It's um, a very, very good thing you're doing. <laughs> But it's going to be absolutely <laughs> solid. It's going to be hell, isn't it's it? G- I think I've I've done it. Well, not, I was going to say I've done a similar thing. I haven't done a similar thing at all. The only thing I've done that's close is I've walked a marathon. I've done it twice. Um, once was a Macmillan Mighty Hike, which was really good raising money for Macmillan Cancer. And that was like it says a hike that's 26 miles. That was difficult. But about six months prior to that, I was meant to do it at another time. And I was end up being ill, couldn't do it on the day. And I felt really guilty because people had sponsored me, including your fine self. So I did my own version of a 26 kind of mile walk a few days later when I felt better, just around the local streets. And it was long. To do that for six days in a row with a golf bag, that's the bit that's controversial, the golf bag. Because you're going to have to stop and put it down. And clubs in it yeah, as well. Yeah, that's what I mean. So you have to stop after like, think about normally when you play a par five, if you get a good drive, by the time you get to your ball, you're like quite happy to put the bag down. That's only like 300 yards. So... I'm reusing my ping bag, the really light one. Yeah. I'm going to literally strip it of everything. I'm going to take the legs off it because the legs broke the other day. Oh, remember? Yeah. So I'm going to proper take the legs off it. We're going to, we're going to even this afternoon, I'm going to come up with a way where I can get a strap to go around my waist <laughs> to help with it. Um, I'm going to, I think I'm going to carry all my clubs or at least a selection of clubs. I think you should have a one ball in there as well just to like take pictures on the road and stuff. Nice. Um, and yeah, so there's going to be four stop off points. Um, Presswick, where you can come and join me to walk. That's Tuesday morning, so this, that might have already passed. There's a golf club near Glasgow, which I'll announce again on social media. Make sure you follow me there. There's another golf club near Stirling we're stopping at, a really, 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 really nice golf course. We'll talk about that as well. And then the final stop on Sunday, the 19th of June, probably around about 3 to 4 p.m., I will be arriving in the town of St. Andrews and finishing the leg by walking the old course. And the finish line is the Swilkin Bridge. So I would love, genuinely love, for as many people as physically possible to at least join me on that last round of golf. So 19th of June, Sunday, an experience to walk the old course anyway. The old course is short. So you walk in the old... The old I'm going to walk yeah, the old yeah. course because, it, one, it's shut on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, it's not stopped me before playing that. <laughs> no, and then also it's actually shut on Friday for the Open. Oh right! So from Friday this week, the old course is shut. Didn't know till that. till the actual Open oh. um, Championship in July. So if you do want to join me, like I say, follow me on social media. I'm trying to raise as much money as Prostate Cancer UK. The uh, link we'll put in the uh, podcast link, but it's just giving forward slash Rick Shields walk 150. So it's walk 150. We've called the actual. Um, challenge so it's walking 150 miles obviously from open venue zero to open venue 150 that's madness a couple of quick stats one in eight men will get prostate cancer and if you're over 50 or you're black or your dad or brother has had it you're at even a higher risk so yeah it's it's a hot it's one of the the biggest killers in men if not the biggest killer and obviously the demographic of the audience is very male dominant um and i just want to raise awareness as much as possible raise as much money and uh completely batter my feet in the process yeah best of luck um (laughs) yeah it's gonna be i think what's good about that though is anything you do for charity is obviously amazing and you know it's great certainly the last time you did the walk 18 no no, what was it called yeah walk 18 raised loads of money like that one for me, that last one was amazing because it took thirty days and it was like a lot of money that you raised. But this one, it's more the actual feat that you're doing. Yeah. Like 
It's ridiculous. <laughs> That's the map. Have you actually thought about it much yet? I feel no. like... Probably I've not trained. Probably for the best. I've not trained. I've not practiced. I've not really thought about it. You know what, it. though? I think it's a tough one with training because you almost can't, because obviously you're fit enough to do it because you can run 10K in a good time and you'll be able to walk that far. The things that will be an issue is things like blisters, which you almost can't train for or so boredom. I've had a few, yeah, boredom will be a tough one. So, like I said, there'll be spots that hopefully people can join me. There'll be certain times where I can't have anybody joining me because the, the, either the road or the, the track gets too Literally narrow. Literally on your own? No, was anyone from prostate cancer yeah. with you? Yeah, so I've got like a support team with right. me. Are they with you every step? Yeah. Right. Um, show me which way to go so I don't get yeah. lost. I'll have a live tracker all right, on me cool. all the time. So I'll put the link out to that as well so literally <laughs> people can live track me. So if I'm going past your house or your school or you, where you work, make sure you... you Throw an egg at him. <laughs> <laughs> There's Rick Shields. <laughs> um, and then... Yeah, so I have a live tracker. Um, I'll be stopping off, like I said, at certain points. Um, Your phone? Has it, have I done that before? No, I've put a new setting on it. I don't like that at all. Because so you get flashes, texts and stuff. Maybe it's I really... didn't think about it. For the... Someone's just literally sent me a text. Rick's got that thing where your camera light flashes when you get a text, but he's always on his phone, so just constantly from a, be... From a number I literally don't know. I've not Ring got him. saved. Just Ring saying, him. call me. Ring... Don't do it now. <laughs> do it now. Um, <laughs> uh, the elevation... Is three thousand two hundred ninety meters. Oh wow! Obviously, I'll come back down again. Yeah. So my mission also is to try and touch. I'm going to touch the sea on the um, west coast, which is what sea? Uh, Atlantic. Is it? Yeah. And then touch the touch the sea in St Andrews, which is the North Sea. Nice. Just as a little something. Wash my hands. Anyway. Hopefully. Best of luck. Thank I'll you. be with you tomorrow morning. <laughs> and I'll walk around Presswick and then I'll be back in the car on the way home, I think. I don't blame you. Um, yes, yeah, it should be good. So f- make sure you follow me on social media to get an update of where I'm going, what I'm doing, how you can meet up with me. Um, and it should be great. Don't forget your eggs. Eggs. Oh, yes, yeah, so the top tip. I've been told to put a ridiculous amount of Vaseline all over my body. Yeah, nice. So I'll literally slip getting on the toilet. Um, I've got these special <laughs> socks. Um, I asked what shoes to wear, and Echo told me my golf shoes are best. Mm, not sure on that shout from Echo. You've been sure, told sure, to get trainers. Sure, man, that told me so. Well, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's it. So wish me luck, everybody. Should be good fun. Let's try and raise shed loads of money. Um, a bit of good in the world, eh? Yeah. After all, all the controversy and all the all the craziness that's been happening, I'm just going to go out there. I might even turn my phone off. There's all these rumours of like, how did Rick's golf ball on 18 at St Andrews actually get on the green? Did he cheat? Was it dodgy? He's like, oh, God, I'll do some good PR now to change the <laughs> subject. I'll just go walk a lot of miles. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good to me. Um, right. Thanks, everybody, for watching, listening. We are now going to head on the road as quick as we can up to St. Andrews, go and play some golf, do some walking, and we'll see you soon. So, quick one, <laughs> housekeeping. Next week's podcast will be a day late. Yes. So I won't get back till the Tuesday. Yeah. So we'll release it on the Wednesday, yeah. and I'll tell you all about it yeah. If as I, as I hobble in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> that was a random podcast, but it was a lot of golf talk, a lot of live golf talk, which is good, yeah. I think. I think um, it's what was needed. I didn't plan anything really because I've been off all week. So and I never do plan anything. No, so thanks everybody for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed and we'll see you next week. Let's say Wednesday next week. Peace. See you later.